Well, so I, yeah, I'm not talking about art. <laughs> um, I uh, will, um, I'm thankful for this opportunity though to do this presentation for you guys. Um, although I'm, I'm sorry that uh, the scheduled speaker uh, is unwell. Hopefully he'll feel better soon. Um, I do wanna say just one real quick thing about art in Yellowstone. Um, this being our sesquicentennial, um, which parenthetically that took me like almost a year to learn how to say, <laughs> leading up to uh, the 150th year. Um, I have uh, been involved in a lot of uh, media requests over this last year. And um, so that has helped me try to think about Yellowstone, you know, within this framework of 150 years. And uh, a lot of people uh, from a variety of, of media outlets have asked me about art and, um, and its role in Yellowstone's uh, evolution. And um, what has struck me the most, I think, um, you know, we have commercial art, uh, we have, you know, fine art, we have uh, drawings, we have photography, we have architecture that is artistic, uh, we have a wide variety of art in Yellowstone, and I think that's because uh, art is a universal language, right? And you all can interpret it in your own way, and you all um, can come away with, you know, your own understanding of art, but it is also a universal uh, language, uh, so that you can, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. So um, I think uh, these images, like Haynes, uh, have uh, been incredibly influential in Yellowstone. I also think it is no um, accident that Mountain Time Arts uh, was our biggest uh, partner to celebrate our sesquicentennial. Um, and all of the, the art that they brought to the park uh, this summer, as well as uh, our partners uh, at the Tribal Heritage Center. Um, you know, I think, I think it makes sense that we have been using art all along to understand Yellowstone. Um, and then uh, it is just kind of like a, a capstone um, for our 150th um, anniversary. But that's not what I'm going to talk about. Um, <laughs> I am uh, going to, uh, this was a, a, I just, okay, last minute. Okay, I finished this last night. Okay, so um, bear with me. Uh, I haven't practiced this presentation or anything. Um, I do uh, off the bat want to give thanks to um, ja uh, Jake Frank, who is one of our photographers in the Park Service. I'm relying a lot of, on his pho photography uh, for uh, the recent flooding event. And um, also the uh, Whithorn Collection at the um, uh, Yellowstone Gateway Museum in Livingston uh, for some of our 1918 flood events. So anybody who was in this room the previous session heard me um, talk and kind of counter, contra, counter contrast um, uh, Mission 66 and what we're doing today um, and in response to uh, very similar conditions. I'm gonna do kind of the same thing. I'm like a one-trick pony, apparently. <laughs> I am going to do comparisons uh, between the 1918 flood and today's uh, uh, 2022 flood. I, uh, you know, the, the flood happened. Everybody, I hope, probably knows we had quite 
uh, experience with big water this summer uh, in June. And, um, you know, immediately we start thinking about this as like a, um, a seminal event in Yellowstone's history, right? Like I, you know, had told a few people, you know, this is going to be like uh, an 88 fires or a 59 quake. You know, this is a, this is a huge event in Yellowstone, um, you know, historically speaking. And I was really pretty confident in that. And, uh, and, and I still am, but, uh, you know, somebody from USGS contacted me and wanted to know if we had a bunch of information about the 1918 flood. And I was like, come, come again. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I've read all of the superintendent reports, but not like word by word. And, uh, usually I like duck in to get some scientific, you know, like I need this information and that information. And I hadn't read, uh, the, the pertinent parts of the 1918 superintendent's reports, which uh, outlined the incredible uh, flooding event that occurred in 1918 and the park's response to it. As I was reading these pertinent parts of the 1918 superintendent's reports, I, am, I, I got goosebumps uh, because the similarities are almost eerie um, in, in a variety of ways. So I'm gonna walk you through that. This presentation is based on a short um, kind of bulleted uh, briefing that I gave to the superintendent, Cam Shawley. Um, and so uh, that's how we're, we've arrived here today. So first I'm gonna talk about today's flood. Okay, so June, uh, you know, Yellowstones were bracing for record visitation, our, our sesquicentennial. Um, the pandemic and economic factors uh, have made hiring difficult in the park for the last few years. Um, and that is continuing on into what's coming up on the 2022 summer. Um, the pandemic, uh, you know, made it difficult for us to have enough housing because we couldn't cram people into dorms anymore, uh, especially in the concessioners. Uh, and uh, so we were really, uh, after a couple of years now of tr struggling to open all of our facilities um, as, uh, as we worked through this, you know, nation worldwide pandemic. So uh, we're a little worried uh, that some services may not open and the public's asking us lots of questions about that. We had a cool wet spring, as uh, any of you guys in this, who are from this area recalls. Uh, so we had a lot of snow in the mountains. Uh, there's a snowy mountain in the background there. Um, and uh, the night of June 12th, you know, there had been um, some like flood warnings, like you might want to, you know, be on the lookout uh, if you live near a stream. Um, and our staff and park managers went to bed that night uh, thinking that, yeah, you know, we might have some minor flooding um, on the Yellowstone River. That is not what happened. Um, <laughs> here's our uh, river rise gauge. This is at Corwin Springs, which is uh, just a few miles uh, down river from the park's northern border. Uh, 1918 had uh, this blue line indicates kind of like previous records. Like we hadn't gotten anywhere near the storm, the, the flood surge that we uh, ended up experiencing uh, on over this uh, couple of days uh, after this flood. We had seven and a half to nine and a half inches throughout the northern range of Yellowstone. 
Um, and that fell on, you know, wet, heavy snow, spring snow. And all of that water just came down the mountains and uh, overwhelmed our, uh, our rivers and uh, lakes and rearranged things rather dramatically, uh, particularly in the northern part of the park. Um, you can see that previously our record of um, cubic feet per uh, second was around just below 30. It was around 32,000. Um, and we hit just, um, just around 50,000 uh, during the flood. So that's, um, that's a pretty big jump from our, our previous known history. There had been a flood in 1873 that was pretty major, um, but unfortunately we don't have stream flow records going back that far uh, for the Yellowstone. So our impacts, um, the northeast entrance road washed out, uh, the north entrance road washed out. We had slumping and cracking on interior roads and bridges. Um, we did have employee housing wash away. Um, bridges were washed out in Paradise Valley. And it, because of that, and also because of flooding in Red Lodge, which if you guys, I mean, everyone saw all the rocks in wrong places, right? Um, when they drove in uh, to town. Uh, uh, Cook City, Silvergate, and Gardner, Montana were all cut off from the rest of the world. Um, we evacuated the park and we did not allow visitors in for several days. Uh, our sewer systems were compromised. We lost power for a few days in Mammoth. Um, our backcountry trails and bridges, quite a few of them uh, were washed out. We also lost a um, backcountry cabin, which I was just fixing to suggest was eligible for the National Register. Dang it. <laughs> um, so here's uh, some images of the road. I feel like um, probably many of you have seen some of these already, but uh, here's my, my friend Heidi's home floating down the Yellowstone River. Uh, these are some of the roads washed out in the northeast and north entrance roads. The uh, surrounding area was impacted. This is Yankee Jim Canyon. Usually when you're driving through Yankee Jim, for those of you who haven't gone through the north entrance, Usually you kind of have to like look over and down at the river quite a ways. Um, and cause this is at the very narrowest part of the Canyon. And it was, um, I mean the, the flood damage that you can see still to this day, is just mind boggling. Um, bridges washed out in Paradise Valley. This is Carbella bridge, which is just North of Yankee Jim Canyon. Several other bridges were, uh, were uh, threatened throughout the Canyon. Here's Red Lodge here. Um, I don't have a lot of information about Red Lodge for this presentation because it doesn't really play into the 1918 flood. So sorry to Red Lodge residents. Um, here's Cook City. This is their beloved baseball field was ruined, um, but they also had bridges uh, cut out and um, were uh, isolated for several days from the rest of the world, as I, as I mentioned before. So we uh, quickly jumped into recovery mode so one of the first things we did was um, there's an old Gardner Road. How many have traveled on the old Gardner Road? Okay, quite a few of you. So it's a gravel road one way uh, that uh, leads from behind the hotel at Mammoth and it kind of winds along up 
high above uh, to the west and winds down just to the entrance station um, at the north entrance. Uh, we right away decided, okay, well, clearly we cannot get through Gardner Canyon anymore. That road was washed out in multiple ways in such a way that you just, you couldn't use that anymore. So uh, we started having a convoy. So in the mornings we would have people could go up to Mammoth and in the evenings we could go down. Uh, a few times we've had extra trips up and down, but most of the time uh, we just have that one way up and one way down uh, twice a day. It's a very short, uh, very short window of opportunity to get up and down the hill. Um, we started looking for a new alignment to get us out of uh, some known common problems in Gardner Canyon. Uh, so that canyon road has often flooded, um, rock slides will come down, you know, it, it's a, really in a bad place because the bighorn sheep have to come down across that road to get to their water. Uh, and so there's been common known problems with the, uh, that Gardner Canyon road. Federal Highways already had a contractor in the park to do road work down by Old Faithful. Uh, so we just switched and they started immediately jumping on um, flood repair for, I love it, those are those like road warriors that drive that road every day, they call it the ogre. <laughs> um, so uh, we're, we're immediately starting to uh, uh, do improvements to the ogre so that uh, we can have it ready and two lane and paved uh, by October 15th was our goal uh, because uh, a lot of school children rely on that route. Uh, a lot of people from Cook City rely on that route. If that route was unable to be plowed, um, all of our you know, folks that live in Mammoth, the majority of our management staff would have to go to West for you know, groceries. Um, and we would have to then plow the road to West all winter. I mean, it was pretty serious ramifications if we don't get this road ready um, for serious traffic by this fall. We uh, restored access to Gardner and the cleanup in the flood up the valley uh, began. We got an initial $50 million uh, followed by an, ad an additional $25 million uh, for, for road repairs. So, um, and then we also restored access and visitors were allowed to start coming back into the park at three of our five gates, north and um, northeast, obviously still closed. So, um, just here's a few images of some road rebuilding, just for fun. Uh, here, this is in Lamar Valley, uh, trying to get the road way up above and away from the river so that we don't have to have this issue again. Uh, we're thinking, you know, some people said this was a thousand year flood, some people said a 500 year flood. I think with the reality of some of our, the things we're seeing with climate change, this may not be as rare of an occurrence as we are hoping. Um, we also are making pretty good progress on the uh, ogre. Uh, and one big change we did was uh, do a new access. We kind of cut off around, so you're no longer gonna be kicked out right behind the hotel. Uh, now you're going to come in down, kind of by our esplanade here. Um, so you're gonna come out that way instead. That is gonna be a temporary solution. That road um, is, you know, usually we would close it down if it started sprinkling. I mean, it's a very unstable surface. Um, it slumps really bad. And it is just, um, it's just not 
something that is going to be able to stand up to the heavy usage that our second most popular um, entrance gets, especially with stock trailers coming in and people snowmobile, <laughs> snowmobile trailers coming in uh, to get over to Cook City. And, you know, this, this road um, takes a, a real beating. So uh, we are still in the process of coming up with alternatives that we'll be analyzing for a long-term solution. So that's just an update. That's kind of like a synopsis of what went on here. So I, I counted on a few key points there that I'll probably harp on a little. Okay, so park managers and concessioners in 1918 were having a lot of trouble hiring staff. Um, and they didn't have their pandemic yet. Uh, they were um, fighting against the problem of people going to war for World War I in 1918. Uh, but they were very concerned. They weren't sure they were going to be able to open all of their concessions uh, facilities throughout the summer of 1918. And in fact, they ended up not. They also had a cold and wet spring. Uh, and, and lots of snow pack in the mountains. And... <coughs> On the night of June 6th, they received three inches of snow in the northern reaches of the park. Um, probably locally amounts were higher. Uh, you know, this is a large area that we're talking about here. Um, and they woke up the next morning to, oh, oh no, <laughs> we have a real flood on our hands. Um, just like in 2022, you know, it takes the floodwaters a while to get there. So over the following days, Gardner and Cook City uh, were cut off from the world. Uh, the railroad um, tracks through Paradise Valley washed out. So Gardner was without mail for quite a while. Um, the road in the Gardner Canyon had washed out in several places. Uh, and they were like, well, it kind of figures. I read a report from 1907 that said, you know, we should really maintain that old Gardner Road because we're going to have some flooding events in the Gardner Canyon sometime. <laughs> and uh, so, and they had also experienced lots of slides and rock slides and um, uh, problems with uh, the alignment uh, on the on the road through Gardner Canyon. Although at that time it was on the other side of the river. Um, the Northeast Entrance Road was washed out and bridges over the Lamar River were washed out. So uh, they resorted to having a little like trolley car on a cable uh, to like get people back and forth and mail uh, so to Cook City. Uh, unlike the 22 flood, uh, in 1918, uh, this was a little bit more widespread. There was major damage between Lake Hotel and uh, Cody. and. Um, Quite a, quite a lot of damage, uh, 22 places that washed out between Pahaska Teepee and, and Cody. So quite a lot of damage in that area. Um, yeah, so bridges in Paradise Valley washed out, like Carter's Bridge. Um, and we had scheduled to open for the summer on the 15th of June that year, and we had to uh, stop and not let visitors in uh, until around the 22nd. So we were... Um, not having to evacuate visitors because we were still getting up and going uh, that early in June. So uh, here are some images from the um, Yellowstone Gateway Museum. Uh, this is uh, Carter's Bridge, and then this is a railroad bridge that were wiped out in 1918. This is, Carter, this is Carter's Bridge, um, which is just south of Livingston. 
This is the Ninth Street Island Bridge uh, that was washed out in the 1918 flood. These folks here are canoeing down um, one of Yellow's, or one of Livingston's main streets. Um, <laughs> so our surrounding impacts were pretty big. I could not find um, this. It, kind of late notice, but I couldn't find any uh, photos in the park. Uh, Yellowstone in 1918 was in a really weird time. Uh, you know, the army had left in 1916 and then, oh, no, wait, come back, came back. And so we were under the management of a uh, civilian acting superintendent uh, with the army uh, managing uh, the kind of the law enforcement aspects of the park. Um, and I, I'm not sure that we have great photographic documentation during a lot of that time. I think it was just kind of a time of unrest. So, in our recovery efforts, the NPS had already made a few improvements on the Ogre. Uh, so they went ahead and right away switched traffic so that it was one way in the morning going up the hill and one way in the evening going down. Um, they immediately started looking for a new alignment uh, to solve common problems in Gardner Canyon. Uh, they said in the superintendent's report, like, well, luckily we'll be getting away from some of these real problems that we've got with the road when we just put it on the other side of the, of the river. <laughs> we got um, 50000 dollars in emergency funding right away, uh, followed by an additional 25,000 as opposed to our 50 million and 25 million. Uh, this is uh, what we got for our emergency road repair works. Uh, back then, the Army Corps of Engineers, not Federal Highways, uh, was in charge of our highways or road system in Yellowstone, and they were already in the park working on roads. Uh, so they just kind of shifted and moved right away to, uh, you know, fixing the bridges and the washouts uh, that were going on, uh, that, that had happened uh, in the North Entrance Road and uh, and Lamar, and especially between Lake and uh, East Entrance. They quickly. Uh, restored Gardner's connection to the world by working on the bridges and the roads in Paradise Valley. Um, uh, but Cook City remained cut off from the world because of course we don't have the Beartooth Pass this early. Cook City was still cut off until August. Um, this year, hopefully, Cook City will be cut off until, from the park until October 15th. Um, a couple of differences is the city of Cody residents band together and came up with the funding and like did the work to repair those 22 uh, washouts between TB and the city of Cody. Also, there were mining interests that needed to get to Cook, to Cook and uh, they funded and completed a lot of the repairs uh, through Lamar Valley under um, the super uh, vision of the federal um, the Army Corps of Engineers. Many concession facilities did not open the summer of 19, and unbeknownst to all, uh, the worldwide pandemic was fixing to come down and have an impact on Yellowstone uh, just starting that fall. So um, I find that these similarities are, I, they, like I, I think about them, you know, I've thought about this a lot, and it still is just like, weird. Um, and so uh, I wanted to share that with you guys. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully we will learn 
like we are now removing the, we will not be putting the road back in uh, Gardner Canyon unless it's like some kind of like elevated like viaduct or something. And I, I can't see that happening. Don't quote me on that. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we will, uh, we are going to learn from something that, okay, in 1918, this didn't work. Let's, let's now in 2022 make some real uh, changes. So we're trying also to, to do, to learn from this also in the Northeast entrance road. Um, you know, we, uh, our sewer line from Mam Mammoth uh, ran under the river and went down to, um, Gardner, and that was all cut off. So now we're uh, redoing our uh, water treatment and sewage treatment plants um, and building new facilities in Mammoth. So I like to think that maybe it only took us two catastrophic floods um, <laughs> to, uh, to get to the point where we are seeing uh, um, some more long-term viable solutions because of the reality of climate change and how likely experiences like this are, are to occur in the near future. Okay, that's all I got.